the focus has always been the people. Our folks, our people in our communities, when they wake up, they're the ones who light the torch and City Hall will then follow. When our mothers start getting appointments to the pedestrian advisory committee, when our mothers and grandmothers start running for neighborhood councils, when our grandmothers and mothers eventually run for city council itself maybe one day, those moments is what we consider success. Now we need to shift the way that we think about this and get onto the roads and we need to stay there. And that's what COVID is really showing us. And that's what I feel like our challenge is, is like, look at the world you're living in right now in this moment. It's different from the one that we just left. And even though it's, not, it's a horrible way to do it, you see the positivity of a different way of living our life. One of the things that we should be asking our elected representatives to be doing is they should be tracking all of this. People's transportation patterns, they should be tracking the fact that our air quality is so good. How do we keep that going? I want a roadmap of what we got to do at this point. Yeah. This is Don Ward and Nick Richard with Bike Talk on the KPFK Live Zoom. We're just doing Zoom, baby. Well, yeah, but most people are going to hear us on the stream, right? Which is... Most people are hearing us on the stream, yeah, the podcast. And we have some guests today. Nick, do you want to take it away? Sure. Do you have all the, the, the guest summaries? Yeah, yeah. Well, the only we're guest... doing a special COVID, COVID social distancing version of Bike Talk on KPFK. So it, there we it's go. getting it's getting less special every time. We're dialing it in. <laughs> we're, we're getting this dialed in. This whole operation is getting dialed in. So. Um, okay, so in the order that I have it here, El Jimmy, Jimmy Lizama, founding member of Relampago Wheelery, Relampago. Bike messenger, <laughs> bike messenger in LA for 20 years. Yep. And, um, and that's a long time. And also an original founding member of the bicycle kitchen. Uh, started. Right. Aren't you basically the person that started the bike kitchen period? Like, wasn't that uh, your baby? That's yep. That was my baby. Yep. Started that's in the eco village. That that is one of the the founding cores of the Los Angeles bike scene, like it it started there was it was right there right. Yeah, right right place right time essentially for whatever reason, and yeah. it, it really had a wonderful impact on the city so far. We really did. Yeah. I mean, and so we'll talk many... about that. We're gonna get okay. to that, and we got Jim C who is a surprise guest today. Surprise. Coming hey. from Boston, Jim Cadenhead. Hey. Boston? Yes, yeah. all the way in Boston. How'd that happen? Oh, man. Uh, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> we'll more about that it later. Too. <laughs> we'll get to that. And we got John Yee, who is the executive director of Los Angeles Walks which hey, is everyone. a pedestrian advocacy organization. Hey, John. And, uh, hey, John. It's good to be here. Excited to, to chat with you all. Y'all got John this, is, this vibe and this mojo, so I'm excited to be here. Oh I'm, I'm feeling it. Infectious. This no bro vibe? Are you feeling the, the no bro vibe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> you know, we no do bros. have women on, <laughs> on shows. There's definitely, like, a culture <laughs> that exists amongst, like, the advocates, and definitely there's, like... Uh, definitely, I think of the bicycle advocates, y'all have definitely carved out different kinds of cultures. I think 
on our end for the walking advocates, we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. I mean, everybody's a walker. That's what Deborah Murphy yeah, has exactly. taught, taught me. Exactly. Deborah Murphy, I guess she's not executive director. She's she's taken a she what 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 Deborah Murphy was the last executive director. Am I wrong of no, LA Walks or was that Right. Oh, she, okay. found, she found the organization, but before before me was Amelia Crotty. She was the former ED, and then before her was Deborah. So yeah, you, okay, you there we go. Yeah, mm -hmm. gotcha. You know, Deborah I has saw... taught me so much. She's basically a pedestrian legend in Los Angeles, yeah. and she, she taught me so much about um, you know that that really the transportation system starts with the most basic form of transportation, pedestrians, and that should be the most protected yep. class of transportation is pedestrians mm -hmm. and you know right am i am i speaking the gospel here you're you're speaking it right everyone walks in la that that is our zeitgeist that we try to push so yeah. right. right they got the song wrong it should have been everyone <laughs> exactly. walks in la, 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 la. <laughs> sorry 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 but you be so we actually have a shirt that says everyone walks in la and multiple times i've been to like the airport or somewhere very public where someone points out and laughs at it and it just really goes <laughs> to show how deep inside the psyche that is right right i yeah, love for, it for yeah. a second there um the bicycle kitchen uh we came up with a, a slogan that said uh nobody bikes in la and that was our <laughs> shirt for a minute and the yeah. idea was like to have a, to have a, a ride of like four thousand people wearing the shirts saying, i love that so guys, you know, I don't know if Colin's listening. I hope he's not listening right now, but Colin he's is not, coming yeah. on. Colin Bogart is coming on the show at 645. And awesome. I'm hoping that everyone here can stay on for at least yep. a little bit, if not the entire interview. I want to surround him with, you know, love and congratulations. I mean, he just was recently, he left the LACBC where he's been for i don't know 20 years something like that 15 years like and he's done so much for la in terms of making you know working on the policy political side of things to get that whole area more bicycle friendly and focused on bikes he's done so much with lacbc and we all know him and i'm hoping we can all stay on and just like make him like you know just like float him on our like we're giving him a, a digital floater in the crowd you know, I love like, that. yo colin we love you baby so i don't know hopefully you guys can stay on and we'll we'll, we'll all interview him and give him some some love how about it okay. that sounds great as long as it's awesome. not the kind of floater like a pool floater right <laughs> you know right as i said that my mind went pee pee caca for just a split second but i didn't think anybody else thank you jim for going lower oh yeah you got it yeah well, watch the bro vibe <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to keep the bro vibe away, okay? So, <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. So, John, you know, um, L.A. Walks, and what else? You're, you're also part of a group that I just heard about, the uh, yeah. Safe Streets for Families, right? Is that what it's called? So, yeah. So, Los Angeles Walks is a nonprofit. We do pedestrian advocacy work. And within the organization, we have a project called Southern California Families for Safe Streets. Uh, now, this is a part of an actual national uh, cohort of chapters throughout the state, and I think it started in New York City. And so New York City has a Families for Safe Street chapter, so just as well, there's a chapter here in SoCal. And so 
we help manage uh, that group of cohorts. And so it's made up of primarily mothers and grandmothers who either lost their child or their husbands to traffic violence. And so providing them a space to come together, to network, to grieve this unique grief, and then, um, yeah, figure out how they can mobilize and change their world together. Right. So I, oh, this, is, this is amazing because I've, I've always thought there needs to be a coalition of you know people that are victims of traffic violence whether they're riding a bike pedestrian or driving a car right like these streets mm -hmm. are designed dangerous they're, we're trying to constantly speed wherever we go i'm just so thankful to hear about this organization so do you guys kind of reach out when you see like like cases in the in the media you know that kind of thing do you reach out to the to the families and and get them involved yeah. how do you guys yeah so I, I think what makes this, yeah, what makes this group I think pretty unique is almost all the members have their own family foundations, and I think that let me just let that rest right there. I mean, what happens is people they lose their loved ones from traffic violence here in LA, and people literally have to create their own family foundations to get heard, to get resources, and to get their story out there. And so, literally, we are a collection of smaller nonprofits in a way of family foundations. And so, when something happens on the streets of LA where someone either gets killed. Um, whether it's a crash, whether it's uh, someone crossing the street, whether it's street racing, which is the big issue here in LA as well, especially in, down the South Bay area. You know, our family members who have expertise and specialties in these areas are then become ambassadors to these families. And so oftentimes when we hear these stories, we do reach out. Uh, often we work with the city council office because we do want to be sensitive to some of these families. The last thing they want is to all get thrown into advocacy. Some do, some don't. And so it's really being able to be sensitive to that and then using our members as sort of ambassadors to reach out to these families and talk to them. Because I, and me as Johnny, I, to be honest, I haven't lost anyone, any loved one from traffic violence, luckily. And so definitely using their stories and their sort of messaging to connect with these families is, is critical. Can I ask how you got into this line? John? Yeah, I, yeah, thank you for that question. I'm going to be frank with y'all because you guys, I feel like I've been doing this for years. I actually just jumped into Safe Street mobility advocacy work just a year ago. Um, my, my background is community organizing. Before this, I was doing community organizing around tobacco, anti-tobacco. Before that, I was doing community organizing around education. So for me, me, my sort of connective tissue in all my work has always been building power and challenging systems. And so that is sort of the lens I came, I came, I came into this work around you know, built environment and active transportation. And so, um, so yeah, that's sort of what brought me here today. And it's been a year of being doing this work. It's been fascinating learning about this and getting to know the people doing this work. Uh, and it's super interesting, especially coming from tobacco, which is like this storied decades long public health victory, right? Where you had a lot of money and resources being used and people changing their habits. And to come from this kind of storied background to this field where people don't even really look at their streets and think of public health. People don't look at bike lanes and think of, you know, environmental justice. And so to be in this field where we're not, we haven't really come to this point yet. Um, maybe we have in tobacco. It's exciting. I feel like there's a lot more work to be done. Right on. It's good to get new blood, you know, going too. So welcome. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you. It sounds like you have a lot of experience on the professional side, which, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're losing out a lot of that, um, especially, you know, with LACBC, sort of in in tatters right now and other um we just we you know we lack organization here in los angeles on the political side right now so it's good to yeah. see that 
you know, I'm so that's one thing like, like the bike kitchen, for example, I mean, those are models that I think is both mixing advocacy and like a social entre entrepreneurship. And so for me, I'd love to learn how as nonprofits, as professional advocates, we can be better at that kind of, that kind of fundraising, that kind of work, that kind of service delivery. So, right. That's where, that's where Jimmy Lazama and Jim C come in. You guys both, yeah. you guys both worked at, at the uh, bike kitchen. Like Jimmy, like Jimmy, you founded the bike kitchen. That, that thing, like it's, it's incredible where the bike kitchen is now. Like the bike kitchen actually owns a piece of commercial property that used to be, I guess it was a bakery and now they've chilled ironically enough. And, or, and, and they've now made it into the bike kitchen. And I just think that's so fantastic that, that they own the space. Like, cause the previous space they had, the, the landlord raised the rent. And so they, they were able to uh, buy a piece of property and, and now serve the community in, in a big way um, in that, in that space. And Jimmy, you, you started that and, and Jim C you, you worked at it. Uh, you worked when when the bike kitchen was was on Heliotrope across from Orange, or before Orange Twenty even existed. Jim Jim C started Orange Twenty, which was a small bike shop right across the street from the bike kitchen. And that that same model has seemed to happen in a few different locations in LA um, with other bike co-ops, where where a small bike shop will open across the street and serve even a purpose that enhances the uh, bike co-op. That's, that's amazing. You want to speak to that, uh, Jim? Like, Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll come into this a little bit, but I, I also, I, I, when I, when I found the bicycle kitchen, it was still being run out of the eco village where uh, Jimmy is still, still at. And, uh, and that is an incredible community that is a whole bunch of different things that, all serve uh, an entire community, really. And I also, I also want to say, John, kudos. Like, it sounds like what you're doing is pretty amazing. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, but the the bicycle kitchen, and I'm going to hand this over to to Jimmy here. Uh, but the bicycle kitchen really was started in the eco village, and through a lot of work of a lot of different people was moved to become its own entity. And uh, the, the folks at the Eco Village really helped them to, uh, to turn it into its own nonprofit. And so the whole thing was a community project, it feels like. Uh, and I'm gonna hand it over to you here, Jimmy. I think you got, you got a better handle on this than, than I can. Yeah, yeah, and I would say the, I would say the exactly the same things. Sometimes the narrative does want to go to you know Jimmy Lozama the bicycle kitchen, but there's a there's a way I like to separate it, which is really really important. Uh, the important narrative there is that yes, one person started something, um, and and so that gives an impetus for a lot of people to have basic ideas on how they can change the community. But it, it was a matter of months before something that I started um, became absolutely run by the community. Uh, there's no way that I could have done anything I did uh, without the support of a lot of people, almost from the get-go. The, 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 again, the idea being, if you have an idea for improvement for a community, 
go for it and then find the community and have them help you to move forward. Um, and I'll, I'll go to a second point that I think is really quite, quite important here to understand too, is that the Bicycle Kitchen, the volunteers, they own that building because of the help of philanthropy uh, in one part uh, and also in help by community on the other part. But right. the other important part is that, is that the place used to be a bakery but it also used to be an electrical shop. And wow, okay. I did not know I, that. I, 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 still, I still hold and I've always held that while I love the bicycle kitchen and I love what they do, I still feel that a place like the bicycle kitchen can do even more uh, if we connect the dots even more. Now, right, right now, say that the kitchen can help, you know, 100 people a month uh, to get on bicycles and understand what, what that's like. If, 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 say, we had the Bicycle Kitchen have a staff of five people really engaging with community, uh, with bureaucracy, and with, uh, and, and with like, say, like with DOT, you might have a, a, a much greater increased capacity to get more people on bicycles. So back, back, so back to John, it's amazing work you're doing. And I, and I think that one of the successes that the kitchen had was it was a social enterprise. It, it reached out to people socially and said, hey, come and join this movement, have a good time, and put your hard work in at the moment. When you get that critical mass of people going and you have enough people doing it, the city will listen immediately. All the, all the bike lanes that we're looking at, all the attention we got as bicyclists, it happened because people were riding their bicycles, period. So the second you energize that base and, and have them take charge of what they want to see, the city hall will listen and they will have no choice but to follow through. So I say, back back to the metaphor, it's like, it's good to bake, right? Because there used to be a bakery, but the electricity's got to be there to make it go. And that's the community right there. The electricity's got to make it fucking pop, because otherwise we're not going to change this shit. And it needs, to, it needs that, that power, to, that amperage to really go. And you know so, what I feel like was the electricity... The electricity definitely came from, like, the Midnight Riders rides, like the group rides, like the social Absolutely. gatherings, right? Like, there's something, okay, it's like, for someone like John, you know, with pedestrian advocacy, it's like, there are group walks out there that are happening right now. It's like, I'd sort of look at those group walks as ways to find the electricity for the pedestrian political advocacy mm -hmm. part, right? Yeah, I think you're hitting on like a super important and something that I think is pretty unique, I think, to our advocacy movement. Because, I mean, come, again, come from tobacco and education. I think when it comes to being a bicyclist, becoming a pedestrian, you know, the process of conversion, the process of proselytizing, you, it, it becomes experiential, right? You take that bike ride, you take a walk around the neighborhood, and you see things that you never see. And so I think I can't agree more is tapping into that experiential sort of moment and being able to reflect that into community, right? And so doing these walks and making sure community is tied into the walks. You know, when we're doing, you know, exploring different uh, neighborhoods and figuring out like, what are some of the built environment challenges, making sure it's rooted in history, you know, and responding to the community's needs. So I think that is such an important part of advocacy. And I think, yeah, that's one thing that excites me about pedestrian and also just active transportation work is that that experience that people go through and then become converts at the end. So I think, yeah, I think that's an important part. Right. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of branding of fun which happened, which was also happening in the sort of walking and jogging scene that yeah. I'm seeing, right? Runners, 
like uh, I think they're called Black Market or something like that. It's like a runner's club. Did I get that right? But they're, they have like an Instagram where they post up their runs. And then there's guys like Dan Capel that host uh, the Big Parade, which was a walk through the stairs of downtown and Silver Lake over a couple days. And at each stop, you get like a little history lesson on the staircase and the architecture and so many, so many things to explore and make fun for people. And um, I saw the LA, yeah. No, for a city that is so car centric, there's a lot of Angelinos doing walking activities. So you're totally right. Right, right. It's cool. It's a fun time. And right now with this COVID thing, like I'm out in the suburban Los Angeles area, like out in the Valley. And aside from it being an amazing clear day, it like people are out and walking and riding bikes a whole lot more in the neighborhoods right now. It's kind of amazing I mean, to put a silver lining on all this terrible shit that's happening. Like I'm I mean, seeing more people your, walking. You have a permanent ciclovia in a way. Right, it's but throughout the entire city in a way, and so yeah, I think this is a unique opportunity for Angelinos to really reimagine what a different city can look like for us, and literally see it out the window. Now, let me well, ask you on a on a policy level, on a policy level, I've seen people discussing this, where um, like a pedestrian's you know dream for the grid is that walk signals, like all the crosswalks, default to a walk sign, right, and Right now, I've seen uh, some talk in the, you know, on social media that there, there is pressure or the idea that the mayor should make every crosswalk default to a walk symbol so people aren't having to push the beg button and potentially spread COVID that way. And I think that's, that would be an amazing uh, use of like the tragedy of the times to get a political win for pedestrians, right? Like, have you guys been looking into that? Have you heard of anything about that? So we have been, um, there have been advocates who've been talking to the city and the city, I think last week, LADOT leader Reynolds came out saying that they were going to automatic, automate all the big buttons. And they're, I think they're rolling it out neighbor, yeah, neighbor, but they're rolling it out neighbor by neighbor. So not all at once. I think just because of like, engineering issues, they got to phase it out. Sure, so they, sure. they have heard. And so they are actually, automating them as for making the default to pedestrian i that's super innovative and cool i've never i've actually haven't heard of that so yeah I'd, I'd love wait to what are that. they doing <laughs> to automate it what does that mean like it's like it's gonna have detector loops i i think they're gonna do it by timing so you don't have to touch it that was the concern is that people would have to touch the big buttons okay because there's two ways to do it like they did there's a hasidic community off chandler um in the chandler uh north hollywood area there's a, a city community and they lobbied for the LADOT to make the uh, wall signs, you know, go to green, to default to green. And at first, the city put in these, these magnetic loops that were um, to be triggered by the pedestrian. But because that was a form of a switch, which is the Hasidic to switch back and take the magnetic loop out and just make hey, it deep to walk. Don, uh, you're, you're disconnected. 
No, but you're going in. You're going out. You're really splotchy in the whole thing you just said. Uh, Can you? Okay. Just, uh, anyways, they, they, they. You know, it's just important these things default to walk rather than be triggered. Is what I'm saying. Like, I'm hoping that there's some kind of movement towards that end versus like spending money to put in magnetic loops and doing all this stuff when they could just set a switch inside there to go to default to watch. Does, does that make sense? No, Am I getting makes, too wonky here? No, no, no. That makes complete sense and does sound a lot cheaper too than installing those tickets. Yeah. They said it right now. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back here real quick to to power and uh, the bicycle community and bicycle kitchen and how this I think relates as well to pedestrians and also to the rise of the bicycle kitchen and the midnight riders. Uh, I I think that one of the things talking about power and baking and and everything one of the things that is often overlooked is the sense of empowerment that you give to the community when you give them an experience that is something that they can recreate or something that actually leaves them with an impression, a feeling and, and a sense of camaraderie. And for a lot of the people that came through the bicycle kitchen, that sense of empowerment was tangible and it was something that they could hold on to. And I think for pedestrians, that's something, that's a super vulnerable class. And I think that that's something that we need to, as advocates for any kind of transportation infrastructure, we need to empower every single group, including the most vulnerable and especially the most vulnerable. You know, if I was to say the biggest motivator, the biggest thing that really like activates the advocates for pedestrians is the city itself. I'll just be frank with you because you have someone who wants, what often happens is you have someone who does, who's not even consider themselves like a pedestrian advocate. They just want to get a speed bump because their car was totaled twice. And this is a real story. The process of just getting a simple speed bump on their street itself, it took 18 months for this community member. Multiple canvassing, they had to mobilize nearly a dozen volunteers just for one speed hump. And I think that experience just activated them and made them realize larger systems issue I think we face as a city when it comes to providing basic safe street infrastructure. So just as I, I do these bike rides, these experiences really create this culture, create the sense of movement. I think for our advocates, it's just getting basic stuff like sidewalks, curb ramps, speed humps, crosswalks, like basic stuff like that is a huge motivator and really mobilize people to start questioning why the city is structured this way, why we do our city planning this way. And so that's sort of what we've been using to really build this base and really strike at power. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. What, what have you found has been the most rewarding for you? Because it sounds like you've been working with a lot of, a lot of folks who are, have dealt with some pretty incredible, pretty painful hardships. You know? So what, what, yeah. do you, what do you think? Do you, see, do you see, see them getting a lot of, help and hope from from what you're doing you know i thank you for that question i think what excites me about this work the most is i know that the work we're doing now isn't just building more pedestrian spaces i mean i think that's part of it but i think in order for us to have a city like especially in la where we become more pedestrian centric we need to change i think systems and government and just political power and i think 
knowing that that is a challenge ahead, I think that is what excites me about this work. That is because when our mothers start getting appointments to the pedestrian advisory committee, when our mothers and grandmothers start running for neighborhood councils, when our grandmothers and mothers eventually run for city council itself, maybe one day, like those moments is what for us is what we consider success. When our community members start sitting in positions of power and start determining how our cities are designed and are sort of um, are planned. And so I think those are the moments I think that we feel uh, the, our, our mission is really succeeding. And that's, yeah, those are moments that I'm, I'm really happy about the work that we do. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Party for the people, by the people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all about power building, right? And so I think in a city like this, I mean, I, I'm sitting, I think we all know this, but like, yeah, it's the system is not built for us. And so we need to just either fix the system altogether, or bring in new people to change the system. I uh, wanted to talk about, while I have you on, the the difference between what people like Jimmy and uh, Don do and what you do, John, and what, when we talk to Colin, uh, we'll see, it was with LA County Bicycle Coalition, what he does. What do you, how do you see the different roles of I guess you would say more grassroots activists and people who are professionals in advocacy organizations. Anyone? Jimmy? Yeah, I, well, I, I, I was thinking about uh, what, what, what John was specifically talking about right now and uh, getting, getting a speed bump and, and how, how much work that takes for um, the marginalized people who care about that experience. Yes. What so, what one one thing that COVID has done? It's exposed a lot of the failures, both at the bureaucratic level, but also on like on the on the social level, right? Uh, not not only are we seeing like dolphins in the canals of Italy, and uh, China and LA seeing the skies for after thirty years, but we're also seeing like black people predominantly dying from COVID because systemically all the systems are getting fucked by the wrong engagement in, in a future that, that, that is not going to give us the fruit that we want. So when, when it takes that much work to, to, to get a speed bump in LA together, it's, 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 it's two things going on there. It's, it's both the bureaucracy doing what they do, but it's also the people as well. Right. And I think the for me, at least, the focus has always been the people like we got to help the people reinvent the narrative that they're in, uh, reimagine the path to leaving consumerism and putting their work in the right place. Uh, everything that we see around us in L.A. is a product of a dream that isn't sustainable. And the second we can get folks to wake up, our folks, our people in our communities, when they wake up, they're the ones who, who light the torch and City Hall will then follow. Um, but, but at the same time for that token, it's not, it's not to say that the folks working in bureaucracy are, are not as important, but we both need to be there. Uh, and the second you get those folks involved and get them fired up, if you get you know 100 people wanting that, that, that speed bump, you know City Hall will react. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. Um, and, and that's what COVID is really showing us. And, and that's what I feel like our challenge is like, look at the world you're living in right now in this moment. It's different from the one that we just left 
And even though it's, not, it's a horrible way to do it, you see the positivity of a different way of living our life. LA, like wake up. Here we are. What do you do coming up? Yep. Yeah, how, how is this a teachable moment? It's, 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 like, it's like the ultimate teachable moment. Everything, all the alarms are going off saying, your shit, how we got here, is why we are how we are right now. COVID is here because of that. COVID is here yeah. because of development. COVID is here because of deforestation. COVID is here because of all the policies we've done that got us here. John's work, Jim's work, Roblox work, all that work we do is toward the world we want to see. Now, we're seeing the world that we're living in right now in this moment, and it's, it's, it's a better world for a second, but it's, it's forcing people to do it. It's forcing everybody to do it. How can we, in this moment, not like ram it down their throats, but say, hey, check it out, y'all. This, this could be reality in a different way. You know? and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and for John, I feel the most, right? Because John, you're advocating for someone to walk right and and if you got someone that that works 30 miles away and made that choice because of car culture because of development that is such a huge leap for them to make but if we can connect the dots to like all right maybe you find a way to walk to work and maybe our world doesn't crumble because we keep on feeding into a system that eventually catches up like it just did with covid Right. That is that is the real advocacy right there. The message is inside of what what's happening right now. It's a it's a full yeah. it's a full shift though. It's a full spectrum shift in order to make that leap, Jimmy. You, you gotta you gotta convince people that certain things are more important than others. And right. and right, right, one right. of those is is community. It is community. And if you're gonna work somewhere, you wanna live near that and build community there. You know, mm -hmm. and instead of trying to trying to save money and and commute in you know so and it's and it's also quality of life so this is this is another thing we, we really i think is important is to recognize that quality of life is is enhanced by the by any of the advocacy work that, that is going on so we got colin oh, hello. Colin! colin who's got the colin! dogs hello it's been C, long time no C. <laughs> Yo, man, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm okay. It's good to see you. I'm seeing videos of your daughter on a bike in the woods. Oh, dude, she is a shredder. I I'm I'm, I'm nervous. I'm gonna have to keep up with her one day. So <laughs> awesome. That's great. That's great. How you doing, so Colin? We, have, Colin? we got we got Colin Bogart from the uh, formerly now. Um, uh, you I just uh, you just left the out. The, Freelance. It's hard to introduce you without saying. It's hard to introduce you without saying uh, the LACBC because you've been like the force there for how long now? Uh, full time employee there for more than eleven years. And uh, yeah, volunteered there for like nine years prior to that. Wow! Yeah, wow. fantastic, yeah. man. Hey, on behalf of hey, all of uh, everybody, hey, what's up, Colin? <laughs> um, I mean, on behalf of everybody in LA, thank you for everything you've done. Oh. You do, you've done so much work for the city of Los Angeles to be a more bikeable place. And, uh, 
it's unreal um, that you're not with, I mean, it just, you know what I'm saying? I've known you actually since before the LACBC, didn't I? Or were you at LACBC when you were at the CDC? Yeah. Yeah. I was at LACBC. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So as long, yeah, as long as, you know, you just, you just worked so hard. So thank you for all your, what you've done, man. It's appreciated. Thank you. I'm I'm not gone. No, I know. I hope yeah, not. what's the next? What's the next? Uh, what's the next step? Have you have you thought about it? Or are you? Don't know for sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of taking a pause. Uh, figure out what the next steps are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's not not a whole lot going on right now, obviously. So, um, but I'm still, you know. I'm still trying to stay plugged in. I mean, I was just emailing people that I know up in Oakland this morning because I'm very interested in knowing more about what Oakland is doing with their slow streets proposal mm. and exactly you- how, how that looks. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. It, basically, the city of Oakland has decided to dedicate like 70-some miles of streets as slow streets which are not apparently not going to be fully closed to cars, but are going to be open to people walking and biking. And it apparently is following the city's uh, 2019 bike plan for all the streets that were part of their bicycle boulevard network. Um, And I'm just super interested. They just announced it last night. And they're rolling it out this weekend. So I wow, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. So I reached out to folks that I know at Bike East Bay. Yeah. Um, to see what they what they know, and even they're like still in the process of finding out what the details are. Um, so, but it does is it a temporary thing, or is it is this going to be full time? Uh, I think it's a temporary thing. Basically, it's a response to the coronavirus and the fact that you know they want to provide people with space to be able to get out and exercise and bike and walk and run and have the proper space to do it. And, you know, like a lot of cities, they've had to shut down. Like I know in Oakland, Lake Merritt is a really popular destination, but they were having trouble with people getting too close to each other. So they apparently shut it down. And uh, I know here, I live in Pasadena now and they closed down the Rose Bowl loop for a similar reason. They, they felt that people were like getting too close to each other. And I don't know. I still think that was a big mistake on the, on the city of Pasadena's part. They could have, they could have closed the loop off to all traffic and then they'd have that much more space, but. Right. Totally. The idea is to, the idea is to create a network that's like really close to where everybody lives. So you don't have to like go somewhere. (laughs) You don't have to go somewhere to then be active. Right. So I'm it's, very it's interested. So like, the, the things you're saying are, 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 are exactly the paradigms that we've been talking about for 20, 30 years. I mean, yeah. you, you just said like, I think that would be a slogan, go somewhere more local to have fun. Like they're doing it by default of, of COVID. So uh, there's two things I want to say real quick. Is one is that it may, it may be obvious uh, to us at least, but, um, and maybe to the world, who knows, but Colin, Colin, you know, left the LACBC right now 
because of the situation, right? Not not because there was a you know a, a, a lack of your position or or, or or you failed in any way. Like the LAC, the LACBC is suffering, you know. LA Walks is suffering. Everybody's suffering right now. You know, you've you've done you've done amazing work, and if everything was normal, you would have still been there doing the good work you're doing. So good. so I like the idea of of like you know what happens to Colin Bogard after this. Like you know where where can your talents go that would be also as fruitful, I mean, if not more. That's the one thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is that the more I hear these conversations about, about, about COVID, about our world right now, I keep on thinking about Naomi Klein. And, and she, she laid it out in a video saying, when there's a disaster, there's always capitalism trying to benefit from a disaster, right? But even in disaster times, like right now, there's opportunity period for everybody. So the Pasadena example is one of them. You know, how does that become more normal? You know, right now we have an opportunity to showcase what the world can look like when we, um, when we prioritize pedestrians, uh, children, the elderly, bicyclists, transportation alternatives to what the car is. Right now is a moment where we need to focus and keep on going a little harder. And I know that I'm failing in that, and I want to work harder to just illustrate to Angelinos and everybody all over the place that this is a better world when we come out of it. We don't going back to the same place we were before this is going back to the thing that created this problem to begin with. So how do we get to that place? You know, what do we have to do to to show folks that there's a better place to end up? So, Jimmy, what do you mean by "I'm failing" in that? Once again, oh, you said I'm, 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 I, yeah. I so I personally feel like I can, I can do more. I, yeah, I'm working on bikes and I'm trying to get on board with some conversations here in the city of LA where I can be of use to get more folks and facilitate them going. Oh wow, look at this way of life. Isn't this better? Obviously, for me, I've got one, two, and maybe a couple of spoken word things, right? But the tool that I use is, is, is bicycles. So the more I can be of use to help facilitate folks riding bicycles is the closer we, everybody, putting the work in, can get to, to illustrating what it's like on a daily basis to stay closer, to bike closer, to walk closer, to live closer, to, to play closer to where you live and not expect the system to support your 30-mile commute, like Jim said, because it's cheaper or more economical. Right now, we're seeing that's not econ economical. Like, we are paying through the nose because of our ways for the last 100 years of industrialization. It's a perfect moment to really shift the paradigm. Really quickly here, one thing that I'm noticing, too, is that it's this time, right now, what I'm seeing is a hyper-focused use of the limited resources that are already given to us. And now is one of the times that we should be taking advantage of the fact that there aren't cars on the roads. We should be taking advantage of this space and we should be using this space and we should be broadcasting our, our presence in this space so that that way people are like, damn, I don't have to be like marginalized to this, to this bike mm -hmm. lane and that's where I have to stay to this bike path, right. to this whatever. Because right now, those are, those are being flooded They're because people don't know what else to do. We need to, we need to say, now we need to shift the way that we think about this and get onto the roads and we need to stay there. 
If I could add, Jimmy, I think what you're talking about earlier too is preparing ourselves for a larger discussion that's going to happen for sure once this is over. And, you know, it's interesting. We, I was meeting with, it was LACBC, LA Walks, um, people from Mobility Justice, Investing in Place, I think Act LA, but we were having this almost this exact same discussion, which is what do we do right now to have this kind of discussion so that once we come out of this, we have like almost a manifesto. Like in this new world that we want to create, you know, moving away from this COVID world, like what does active transportation look like in this new world? What are the lessons that we learned from the grocery store workers who had to go to work every day during COVID? Like what are the lessons we can learn from their transportation patterns? And so I think continuing to have these discussions and I don't know if it's if it literally means having a get together and putting pen on paper and writing down, you know, these things that we believe, these fundamental principles that we want to carry into into this new world with us. I think that's worth doing. So I, I think it's more having more of these discussions, but eventually someone's got to put pen to paper on these ideas. I'll, I'll say, hey, John, you know, coming from the uh, coming from the background that you do with the tobacco, um, battling the tobacco industry and so forth, um, something that I've noticed in watching those kind of uh, battles take place is that there's a lot of money behind marketing yeah putting uh stories out there pr and what i what i what i think an opportunity that's being missed right now is that there aren't enough stories in the media about the clean air and also about people walking more and riding bikes more and you know that kind of story i feel is missing from the local media right now uh, you know if, if i was like a professional tobacco lobbyist i'd be like paying journalists to write up some stories and throw them out there and start getting people talking about it. So um, I, I was just about to, to say something very similar that Roadblock uh, just mentioned. And, and it is advertising. It's a different kind of advertising. The biggest thing that the Bicycle Kitchen was able to do was to advertise what a great time it was to ride a bicycle with us. You know, our, 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 our message was, Go out on your bicycle, get a workout, eat some tacos, drink some beer, dance a lot, maybe fall in love, and go home at four in the morning. Guess what? Advertising right now is everything. Now, when we have the tobacco companies and we have the petroleum companies and the car companies making amazing commercials, um, yeah, of course they're going to reach out. And they're there to make money. But... What happens when people like us make awesome commercials about the life that we want to see in the world? What happens when we have something flashy, well-made, creative? All those things sound like the community we live in. Making commercials about what we're doing in advocacy in a slick, awesome way will sell the culture. It's, 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 it, we, we proved it just by doing it as advocates for the last 20 years. And right now, the youth and the people also want it. They need it. They want it. They want us to use our creativity to just go in the right direction. We got we to gotta sell it. We got to sell it. And I'll you know, say one last thing. Uh, yeah. From what I understand, MTA, MTA is taking this time to build the Purple Line at a, at, a, at a greater capacity. That's like another good thing about COVID. They're actually trying to build the Purple Line faster so that when we're out of it, there might be a, a, a little extension. I'm not a promoter of the Purple Line or, or trained, but it's still a good positive sign when someone like that is taking advantage of, of, of the moment. Mm -hmm. I, I, 
Yeah. Steve, I, I'm new to this group. Um, I just typed in something into the group chat. Uh oh. I, I um. Yeah, I'm getting uh -oh. ready to go to the We're South South Bay City Skog, and so I reviewed. Oh, thank God! I thought you were a, a Zoom bomber, dude. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <You're Zoom> bomber. <laughs> we got bombed. We got bombed last week. We got bombed so hard. Yeah. So. And no, nobody was prepared. Yeah. So welcome, anyway, Steve. I, uh, Let's look. I, I, uh, Nick, why don't you introduce Steve? Yeah, I'm Steve, I'm from Redondo Beach. Um, but but in my chat, I say I'm saying that like the air right now is like it was a hundred years ago before they had Model Ts, you know. And so there's no congestion, right. there's uh, no traffic on the main arteries, and I think this is a right now. It's a perfect time to talk to our county governments to rethink what their plans are. Right now, 88% of the travel is done by car, 8% by walk, 3% by transit, but only 1% by bike. But one of the key outcomes for their Connect Southern California plan is to reduce by 5% the miles driven from 21.8 miles to 20.7 20 miles per person per day. So instead of that, I think if we encourage this what they call high quality transit areas by encouraging people to work and shop and live where they you know locally you know we probably can re achieve a 70 percent reduction so i think this might be one way that we can approach the county and the governments is that you know what is this like five percent reduction in driving that you're talking about when you with when you just have people live no, I, I come from San Francisco. I was over at UCSF for the last 15 years. And so I went everywhere on my bike. I, I bought my groceries and rode, rode up and down hills. And, you know, I never need, I, I had a car, but the only time I moved it was when the street sweeper came and all the rest of the time I did all my stuff on my bike. And I think LA is primed to be, primed to go into that lifestyle where you have people who the only time they, have their car is just to go to Costco to fill up their to their trunk with toilet paper and all the rest of the time they can so all their stuff Steve thanks for thanks for jumping on I had planned to make 7 p.m. the time when people could come on for public comment that I shared the zoom link with and I shared yeah. it with Steve so thanks for jumping in yeah yeah I was I was just I just wanted to get you know I, I know all of these guys probably never really realized that you can really affect county government you know by you know making your idea of, oh yeah. no we know we've definitely <laughs> done our footwork over the years we have been to i have been to so many stupid little committee yeah, meetings and, and to during out, public comment where they put your public yeah, comments who at are the, the end politicians of the meeting who, who will actually listen you know that's that's really <laughs> where i'm at right now well what what i was trying to get to is this is like okay we know you know, okay, there's a whole other crowd out there that would tap into this conversation and they would hear us talking about reducing car drop miles driven, uh, making streets slower and, you know, the climate and like the benefits of COVID. And those people would be like your Agenda 21 NIMBY types that are out there and they're loud and they have all this car marketing and all this education that has happened throughout their lives for years, that that is that culture that we're going up against. So for a politician to go against that culture, we need to do stuff to get to the point where a politician will make that decision because it's very hard for a politician right now to choose 
to go with bicycling and walking when the culture is ingrained in us about car driving and so forth. So my, my question to John would be like, as somebody with that kind of experience with the tobacco lobby, like, what are we, what is it looking like, you know, for us in, in terms of getting this and, over there? I, I guess the question that I would have is, you know, who are the politicians who we, who might, who we might be able to actually talk to, who might actually, so, you know, raise the hand first. Wait, wait, back so it up, back it up. I, hold on, hold on, Steve. Let's get back one more, one, one back. John, go for it. So I even take a step back. What's, what is, what made tobacco so successful is, is the marketing. But to be honest, the reason the tobacco smoking rates are as low as they are in California as they are today is because we tax them. We tax them and then we took millions of dollars and we funneled them into community organizations like, like groups like us, the bike kitchens through nonprofits. And the nonprofits would then take these public funds and use it to educate the public and change municipal laws. First so essentially, you have exactly and first fund programs like First Try Ballet. And so, what I think this movement needs is a robust funding mechanism that can build not just a, a grassroots infrastructure, but also be able to really use that money to do marketing ads that we were talking about to fight against all the the million dollar ads you see like on uh, during the Super Bowl and stuff like that. And so. You know, whether it's the congestion pricing, whether it's the gas tax, um, I really think there needs to be a dedicated public funding stream for capacity community organizations to do work around active transportation. And that's how tobacco was won. And I think that's similar to what we need to do in this field, in my opinion. And I think once we build that public no. infrastructure, that base, then we can start changing elected officials and the power. I think you were onto mm. something, Roadblock, when uh, I think it was you, Roadblock, that talking about the fact that our air is so fantastic right now. And I, I think that what should be happening, one of the things that we should be asking our elected representatives to be doing is they should be tracking all of this. They should be tracking people's transportation patterns. They should be tracking the fact that our air quality is so good. And they should be, I think we should be asking them to be looking at how do we keep that going? Um, and that's the kind of positive benefit that I think people can get behind. Um, the other thing is that just, you know, it's weird. I, I, live in this, I live in this very suburban residential neighborhood in Pasadena now, and I've seen this woman and her kids riding their bike. We're riding their bikes in our neighborhood, and I've never seen them before. And the first few times I saw them going by, I saw them riding in the street. And then the other day, I noticed they were riding on the sidewalk. And I, I had to draw the conclusion that they must have had a bad experience or something that drove them to ride on the sidewalk. <laughs> right, And right, so right. another thing that we can really work to our advantage is to really appeal to families and really appeal to families who have kids who want to be able to go out and ride their bikes. And, and you know, it's like right now they're saying you can walk, run, or ride a bike to stay healthy on the streets. Um, I don't know about you, but my impression is that most kids are not particularly excited about walking or running. But if you ask them to go ride a bike, ask Jim, um, they're probably going to go, yeah. So I think that's another part of that marketing device. Um, a little less, a little less midnight riders, bicycle kitchen, beer and, and karaoke and a little more. Jim Shannon. Kittens. I I call it uh, I call it I call it midday riders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, we made a screen for that. 
That's right. We did. We oh, did. my God. Uh, Mark has it. Um, I think Mark has it. We made some little T-shirts and stuff. We should get that going. We should, that, yeah. Like, this is the moment. I, 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 took my son, I took my son out on a bike ride, um, which uh, it sounds crazy that I've never done that really, but I, for the first time I rode a bike with him on his own bicycle and rode from the Eco Village up to House of Pies, uh, up Edgemont. And that was his first time riding a bike in traffic. And the only reason that was possible was because there's, you know, 60% less of the cars out there. And it was still frightening, but it was, it was so fun. It was great. It felt, it felt like the old days, you know? Yeah, it, it feels, it's, it's pretty calm out there right now, but the streets are empty and there are some people that are speeding more because of that. So. Yeah. Yep. It, it is it's something actually bringing my daughter into this has made me much more has given me a lot more passion about the advocacy work because I think it's important to to bring our kids into this to bring our, our kids with this culture of riding in the streets as normal, you know, but right. it's scary right. as hell. It is scary. Yeah, as hell. When, when this is over, it's like this is a, a, a a unique opportunity that we may never see again. So it's like, well, what, what do we got to do? I want I want a roadmap of what we got to do at this point. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of asking John just because of your, your, yeah. your professional experience, right? Like the way that the mechanism works is we got to build some kind of uh, voice that, that tells politicians, you know, we have, political weight to our voice and therefore you should listen to us and therefore you should change the infrastructure right now or the policy moving forward based on what's happening right now. How do we get there? Oh, that's like the million dollar question. <laughs> you know, I think if I, if I were to pay me, baby, pay me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I can give you one really direct answer, I, I guess, and especially how we can get there here specifically in L.A. I think there needs to be a greater coordination amongst the nonprofits. And I, that includes L.A. Walks, right? And so I, I don't exclude us from that. Um, and so I, I can let you all know right now that LACBC and L.A. Walks, we're talking and, and investing in place are figuring out how we can coordinate and work more closer together as an organization. And if that means, you know, coalescing our membership base together or if that means coordinating campaigns together, but... I definitely think, you know, coming into the space a year ago, I realized there was a lot of disconnecting uh, amongst the advocacy groups and even just amongst, I think, agencies in the city. But I think we need to definitely coordinate more and to collaborate better on this. And also one thing I want to add is the, the base of folks who support pedestrian bike, bike, sort of bike access, I think, in L.A. is very diverse. You have everyone from, you know, your typical, like, you know, wealthy people on bikes who do for recreation to you know, the mother who has to walk their child to school because there's no uh, close bus station. And so I think we need to figure out as a movement what that big umbrella looks like and how do we bring in this diversity of constituencies together under one sort of mission and issue. I think that is one of the challenges ahead of us and we need to figure that out. Can, can I make a suggestion here? And this is yeah. uh, one of the things that I always thought one of, one of the cities that I thought did this well was San Francisco. They, they created a huge bicycle coalition. And then once they had a constituency that was the largest coalition in the city, they were able to affect changes in San Francisco. Now, 
I, I thought for years that the best way to do this was whenever you buy a bike, you are, you are also automatically buying a membership to the Bicycle Coalition for a year, you know? And then that creates this built-in huge constituent, constituency. And then you could also do the same thing with transportation, with uh, the subway, if you're buying, if you're buying a pass yeah. for the subway or a bus, you will have an option to, to buy into a walks membership. Or the bus uh, riders union or something. Something, yes. And whatever it is, it would work to, if you could figure out a way to create projects that all of these coalitions can get behind, you suddenly have a very diverse, very large group of people in order to actually push an agenda, which I, I think is the best way to get stuff done. What Jim is saying, the, the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition is what got me into bicycle advocacy. So I kind of understand how they did it. So I, I, I totally agree with what you said. I have to say, I I just, I just sign off real quick here. Um, it's time for me to go. But before I go, I want to say, Colin, thank you for all the work you've done with the LACBC. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, uh, Jimmy. I hope you're doing thank okay. you, Jimmy. Doing, doing really, really, doing really well right now. Yeah. Um, Colin and I uh, have the same birthday, so we always uh, try to call each other on, 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 on that birthday. Um, so say thank you, Jimmy. Also, want to say thank you, Jim C. Um, I don't know where you're from originally, but you were in LA, and while you were here, you did a whole bunch of amazing work. <laughs> and here you are, all the way in Boston, and you're still talking about LA. So I want to say thank you for your dedication to this city, even while you're so far away. I miss you and I love you and I can't wait to see you again. I and, love you too, uh, bud. Thank you to all, to all you, all you guys for the good work you've done. And John, I think that was a really, really essential point to make uh, moving forward. How we all, as organizations come together, is so crucial right now. Get that one voice going. We've got a big, big fight ahead of us in November which is going to be huge. And we need all of us to be on board right now. So uh, Let's thank do it. you, Let's Nick. Do it. Thank you, Roadblock, for inviting me tonight. Um, thank you, Jimmy. I hope to be part of this in the future uh, very soon again. So Anytime. Every time. All, of you. all right, brothers. Uh, all right, take care, care, Jimmy. Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I got to drop off too, but uh, I just want to say I really enjoy speaking with you all. Please invite me back again. I'd love to like, yeah, to jam with you all again. Right on, John. Okay, Thanks, cool. John. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, everyone. Nice talking to you. So, hey, we got, you know, Jim C., I forgot that you're a real interviewer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. So I think, I think I remember interviewing Colin on this before, like, I even left to Santa Barbara. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, a long time ago. So, um, yeah, I, didn't, I, your, didn't your bike get stolen while my, we were talking? Yeah, maybe, quite possibly. Somebody's I, I, bike was out in the hallway, and you were telling me that their bike got stolen. I think, so everybody, there was a group of people who rode from, uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, and we were all doing a group interview at Kill Radio. Everybody's bikes were in the hallway, and a bunch of ours got stolen. I think mine was in oh, there. Yeah. That was a, that was a fiasco. I can't imagine I can't imagine riding all the way across country and then losing my bike that I rode there on. Man, yeah, yeah. that was that was crazy. But horrible. But we had good times too, right? Can yes. Well there was there was a party. There was a party that night. So yes, there were good times. 
mixed in with the bad times. So yeah, sure. It was it was all it was all a hodgepodge of fantastic and horrible doldrums, but it was great. <laughs> I didn't so. mean to bring up the negative part. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, somebody has to because all I remember is the good shit. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. But no, it, it it's it's fantastic. I I I'm. I've been watching you from afar, Colin, and I am, uh, I'm really stoked to have seen you mature as an advocate and like do just tackle some amazing projects. And uh, I, I want to say thank you. It's the, I'm sure the city of LA thanks you. So thank you. But maybe as a, um, a civilian, uh, Colin, now you'll sort of get back to seeing what some of the criticisms were about of the LACBC when people were feeling that it wasn't acting like an activist organization? Sure. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I know when I, prior to getting hired on as a staff member at LACBC, I was a board member for a couple of years. And then after I left the board, um, people came to me and told me things that they had never told me prior to that. So I I suppose I might hear some some you know comments in the coming weeks and months we'll see well here's one um, you know Here, here's, I mean, here's i got one mm -hmm. <laughs> i got one yeah um i think i, I think no i mean lacbc was carrying the torch for the last like four or five years for sure like i think a lot of the activism the activists sort of calmed down a bit like and you know, the last few years, like LACBC was a, sort of the last bastion of bike advocacy almost like it, it was. Uh, and now now it's just sort of like, I don't I don't know, like with this COVID shit, like we can't even do really activities anymore. Can you still do bicycle skills training and that kind of thing? No, I mean, that's that's actually one of the reasons why that's one of the things that reasons why I got laid off really is because I was managing was managing three contracts that involved bike education programming that all basically got shut down. Right. Um, and, you know, straight up th those three contracts were part of the reason that I didn't get laid off a year ago mm -hmm. and why um, and it was part of the the necessary income that was keeping the organization helping to keep the organization going. Right. So you know, and I should I should mention that it's not totally dead yet. Um, right, Eli, right, right. Eli and Kevin are still there, and they're trying to keep the doors open. Uh, and what is what Jay, is? Who, tell us about Kevin. I, I don't know Kevin. What's Kevin his, what Kevin Shin comes from the Long Beach chapter, Walk Bike Long Beach. He lives down in Long Beach. And he's, he's a passionate advocate. Um, and he was actually, he was on the board and they, he stepped down from the board to take a position. And my understanding is he has a lot of, um, a lot of experience and knowledge uh, relative to contracts, for example. And then also he's pretty well connected. I mean, I know he ran for a council seat in the city of Long Beach. So my understanding is that he's, I don't really even know the extent of all of his connections. So, um, okay. you know, they brought him, in, they brought him on staff so that he can try to maximize 
you know, the contracts that we had and then also look for additional opportunities wherever they might be to kind of bolster the organization so it could uh, continue to do the work it was doing. Um, right. You know, and I think uh, the last several years, I mean, it's just really, really when you look at it, I mean, the last four years have been pretty tumultuous in that we've gone through multiple executive directors, uh, both permanent and interim. And so, um, you know, everything that's gotten to the, gotten to the organization to the point it's at right now is, is a result of all that change. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a credit, you know, I, I can't credit Eli enough for, you know, walking in, uh, as a new executive director a year ago and finding things were in such bad shape and not just turning around and running. Um, <laughs> and so he's really committed to trying to keep this going. I mean, I was literally just downtown today picking up some uh, furniture that some of which was mine. Hang on. I got a cat who's messing with a poster. Some of which <laughs> is mine. And, uh, some of which was furniture they couldn't keep anywhere. They're actually shutting the office down. Um, oh, no. They're closing the office completely because, because of COVID. I mean, nobody's working in the office and there's no reason to pay the rent and money so tight, <coughs> which is really weird because that space has been the office for LACBC since I, can re since I started volunteering for, that org for LACBC in like, I think that was like 2000. It's been there for a long time. Mm. Um, so it's very strange to, to see all that stuff getting taken out. Um, but that's what they're doing mm. to try to keep it going. And so we'll see. Um, mm, okay. um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's the organization that's managed to, to stick it out as long as it has. And I, I think that, you know, a, a big nod of appreciation also goes to Jen Klausner, who was executive director for like seven years and took it, took it from right, right, being, right. Uh, like a two-person staff to a uh, eleven-person staff. Um, she was. She right. seemed to be omnipotent too. She was everywhere. Well, while, while yeah. she was the the director, I mean, she was at she was at every single type of event that you can imagine. She was at planning meetings for all different folks. She was everywhere, and a lot of times she mm. rode there. Mm. You know, it was really. I, I agree. She did a, a pretty good job. So, yeah. And where is Jen? Jen is, um, Jen's still in LA. She lives in the Valley, I think in Van Nuys. Um, and she's, you know, I think she's very heavily involved with Corba these days. Cause she was always a big mountain biker. <laughs> I think she's on, on Corba's board right now. Um, and she's just like, <laughs> probably taking a break after seven years as executive director, you need it. <laughs> Those are dog years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what about you, Colin? What do you do from here? Uh, you know, I'm not sure yet. Honestly, it's, it's too, too soon to say. I'm kind of just sort of assessing where I'm at and where I want to go next. Um, I haven't really made a decision yet. I mean, I, I know... I mean, I'd like to continue to, to work professionally in advocacy if I can. Uh, we'll see. Um, 
it just feels like so much is is basically on hold right now in in a lot of ways um but i'm still you know like i mentioned earlier i'm still trying to stay engaged when i heard about what was going on in oakland that was super interesting to me and i immediately i mean i'm i feel really fortunate that i i can literally send an email to somebody and get a response almost right away, which is what I did. I emailed folks at Bike East Bay and got a response very quickly because I wanted to find out what they knew about what was going on in Oakland. And I, I'm still very curious to see exactly how that's being implemented because I think it might be a good example for other cities to follow. Um, at least that's what I'm hoping for. So, I mean, Colin, right now, as I look across the Los Angeles landscape, and we talked to John and Jimmy and, uh, you know, there's other groups out there. Uh, Michael Schneider's group. I feel like we all streets need for all. to come up with streets for all. Yeah. We need to come up with one issue, which I think is the pedestrian, like, like, uh, the, 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 the win for the pedestrian is the, the hallowed trophy of, having all crosswalks default to walk uh, like and and there's an excellent argument for it and it's really cheap to do the argument is we don't want people touching these buttons and spreading the disease and it's really cheap to just set those those walk signals i feel like if we go and we make a campaign to do this and get everybody on board i feel like we could get this through yeah, I well, mean, Bur Burbank did it, right? Pasadena's doing it. No, oh, great, great. Pasadena's doing it. Uh, they're they're basically setting all the crosswalks to just go automatically. I think. Really? Um, okay. I was under the impression they were doing it to some extent in LA, but I'm not sure to be honest with you. I've heard this too, but it's like I don't feel like there's enough chatter coming from uh, advocacy organizations or activists about this, and I feel like right now is the golden opportunity to at least beta test it and hopefully sure. they'll continue on with it. But it's like, it's such an excellent argument that no well, one can like go against. You can't defeat that. Is argument. that now, is that good for bikes or what? I mean, what would the equivalent okay, look, be for bikes? I think in, it's this open streets like, thing that Don, no, no, that, we're going, that Colin we're going, keeps bringing up and, and we're open. going on this kernel. We're going on a kernel here that pedestrian, the pedestrian, when they are safe, everybody else is safe you know what i'm saying colin can you agree with that that's sort no, of I know like, what you mean i know what you mean yeah it's like if we start by making pedestrians safe everybody else benefits like making pedestrians safe means slowing cars down means making you know easier to cross the street uh all this stuff that benefits us as bike riders you know and calms traffic in my opinion yeah, I, I think so. But we, we're also talking about open streets. And you mentioned, say, you mentioned Streets for All, who's coming out right now, trying to get an emergency network of street closures. And just like, they did in, just like they're doing in Oakland. So that's another thing. I mean, can we do two things? Sure. Sounds great to me. I just feel like, like the COVID, you can't... Okay, I'm thinking in terms of the opposition and we know who the opposition is. It's your sure. agenda 21, your NIMBYs, your, your car lobby, all that stuff, your Jay Beavers. What are they going to argue? Right. 
so their argument against that is always going to be like, oh, you're causing traffic. You're causing, you know, like causing more pollution, causing traffic. So we need to just find a way to pitch it that they don't have a counter argument. And I just feel like the pedestrian walk signal, um, like pressing the button, I feel like there's no way you can come up with an argument against that. The, the best thing I think to pitch this, the best people to pitch this are kids. Yeah. Is, mm. is, to get, is to get families involved. You get kids, you get high schoolers, you get people who are actually actively using sidewalks to get places. And, uh, and that they are very, very good. They're very effective. Yeah. Well, that was agree. John Yee. And you, Jim, Jim Shaman, who was on our show a couple months ago. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, with Walk and Rollers. And, you know, he's, I called him the Mr. Rogers of the bike scene. Like, he, <laughs> he gets kids excited about bikes, you know, and he shows you how to do it. And I've done some work with, with, for him, uh, with graphic design, with his uh, Safe Routes to Schools brochures and things. And uh, it's just like he's doing so much good for the world. And uh, anyways, yes, kids. You know, there are some people who are arguing against the open streets. And, you know, the, the one criticism I was going to make about LACBC was that when Eli spoke at a bicycle advisory committee meeting, I think it was this week, and Michael Schneider brought up his streets for all proposal to create an emergency network of safe streets of open streets. Um, Eli abstained from voting when most people voted for it. And he said, you know, we're closing parks so that people won't have contact with each other. Why do we want to create more park-like space in streets? I think we need to get everybody on board. So we should talk to Eli. We should, you know, it's either going to be the open streets thing. It sounds like uh, Michael, the safe streets for all group wants to do the open streets thing. If it's that, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's launch something, you know, right. Yeah. Like, so. I, think there's a, I think there's a, there's sort of a balancing calculation trying to be made sort of, I mean, in the end, to a certain degree, we have to understand that, you know, the city of LA, the county of LA, all, all the smaller cities around everywhere, you know, their main focus right now is just trying to minimize yes. exposure to, to COVID-19 and, and right. to kind of stem, stem the whole thing and prevent unnecessary death. And so that's top priority period. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. It's like trying to strike the balance between, between, uh, striking while the iron's hot and, and taking action while the moment is presented itself, mm -hmm. but also maintaining a reasonable balance with the fact that for so many communities, the, the major concern is just trying to keep people from dying. And so uh, I, don't have an, I don't have a clear answer for that um, other than- Yeah, that, that's, that's why, that's I why I'm so interested in what Oakland is doing yeah. because I wanna see I want to see exactly how they're doing it. How it goes. See, yeah. I want to see how effective and how well it's working. Um, Sounds good. And that could be a model for a lot of us to follow, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, we, we need to watch. Yeah, I want to check that out. We're going to check into that. Maybe yeah. have somebody 
is there somebody up there we can talk to we can get on the show and talk about it uh yeah i'll try to put you in touch the, when i reached out to the people that i knew they they referred me to another guy who works at bike east bay who is much more plugged into what was going on because yeah. i was reaching out to the guy who robert prince who's a uh who's like the education person and then also one of our former LACBC staff members works there now. Um, and neither one of them knew a lot of details. So gotcha. I can try to put you in touch with. Cool. Person. Yeah. It'd be great to, great yeah, to have them on and talk about it. Yeah. We'll see. Hey, is Steve still, Steve, did, did you want to, you're our only public speaker. Oh, you were, he's a, he's a, he's not a guest on the show. He was just, he just tuned in. Yeah, gotcha. kind of. Didn't you see the speaker card, Don? No. Where yeah. is it? I was trying to listen from six o'clock and I complained. And so, um, and so Nick let me in. But anyway, you complained? I complained. Let you in? I, I dialed in and I can't hear anything. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, we're normally bike talk is like pretty, you know, pretty, pretty good. We're DIY. You know, even at KPFK, we, we definitely do some things like brain fart. But now that we're on Zoom, it's like, this is like Mad Max territory here. So, okay, well, um, I mean, yeah. we just had you on the show the entire time. The the one Welcome question to I have is this. Welcome uh, to the show. This this I think it's called L.A. Ride. You know, I, I think I, the Bike L.A. That that's it. The Bike L.A. Facebook. I thought that's a very. Yeah. I I felt that was really informative to me to understand a lot of the laws, for instance, that. Uh, might be worth get, getting people to um, to to rally behind. And personally, I felt that having you know having some of these LA bike LA laws that they have on there to to advocate for would probably be a better a better um, you know a better way for us to use our energy rather than the touch buttons. Because I don't think you know touch buttons. I think most bike people won't really, you know, that's not really something that they would really get excited about because they never touch them anyway. They just go across the street. Well, the, 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 the argument here that I'm a firm believer in, and I was brought to this conclusion by Deborah Murphy from LA Watts, who's the, the founder of LA Watts. She taught me a lot about pedestrian and traffic safety from a perspective other than a bike rider. Right. right. And, I have come to agree with her that the pedestrian, once, if you focus on protect, protecting the pedestrian, mm -hmm. then everything else follows after that. And uh, I, I really believe in that because road diets are good for pedestrians. Crosswalks, good for pedestrians. Signalized crosswalks, good for pedestrians. And it slows cars from speeding through an area. And that makes it great for bike riders too. So uh, I'm just on board with that thinking. And, and right now, because of COVID, you know, that is a real concern, touching the buttons. When I was, when I touched the buttons, now I put my shirt up and try not to touch the buttons. And you could really yeah. contact it, right? So it, it's like an easy win. Yeah, it's an easy win right now. It's an easy argument to work on right here, right? Like we could get this through, I'll bet you in like two weeks. I was going to ask a question about bull belts. Bull belts give the pedestrian less space to walk 
to cross the street that makes it safer for them. Shorter distance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of, oh, I, I get that, but I, I, from a cyclist stand, standpoint. Yeah, they can really fuck you up. They can really fuck you, you up, yes. You got to take the lane, baby. We need to have sharrows there, <laughs> or we take away a lane and put in a bike lane, buffered. On, on, on this note, I got to get going. But yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, it's time it's for very dinner. good to see you, Colin. Yeah, you too. Tim, great to see you. You too, Nick. You Nick, too, Don. Thank you. Steve, thanks, 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 for, thanks for plugging in, Steve. Yeah, thank hey, you. Hey, and I want to say, thanks, uh, Colin, you did a great job with your background. You're the only one that doesn't have like like a background that looks like uh, it looks stoic. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Well, he's All the right. pro. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, Catch over you guys here later. Nick. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right, Colin. And Colin, you you've always got I mean, a, a job waiting for you at Bike Talk. All right. And Jim too. It doesn't pay That's great. shit, but <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you soon. All right. All right. Nick. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right. This All has right. been Bike Talk on KPFK Live Zoom with your host. John Ward and Nick Richard. And uh, we'll see you next time. I rise in the morning and greet the day. Pull out the bike and I'm on my way. The transportation shows I care. Every turn of the pedal cleans the air. Clean in the green, I'm saving the planet. Just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas, a tiny carbon footprint. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.